Hey folks, JR, back for another episode of Echoes of Shannon Street Case File. It's going to be episode 103, Consideration of an Assault. Well, folks, in this, this particular segment of the memo written by the TAC unit, you're going to see that they were already talking about wanting to assault the house fairly early. And that's in direct result of the fact they can hear Bobby Hester screaming. And it's obvious he's being tortured. So we at least know officially from the TAC unit's point of view that they wanted to go in and save Bobby, and that was within the first couple of hours. All right, let's, uh, let's go on and get into this memo. Right, we're going to start on the paragraph on the bottom of the page. Lieutenant F.J. Maxey, 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., TAC commander, arrived at the TAC command post on Tuesday, January 11, 1983, at 10 p.m. Before arriving at the command post, Lieutenant Maxey had already contacted Sergeant H.M. Fields by phone at his residence and left instructions for him to call the TAC office to determine which team members, if any, were already at the TAC office and to have them report to the command post. Also, for him to contact team members who were not at the office and have them also report to the same location. Lieutenant Maxey then went directly from his residence to the command post where he met Lieutenant Pugh and Captain Music. After Lieutenant Maxey had been Briefed on the situation, it was determined that it would be essential to have a TAC command officer in the capacity of liaison between the TAC unit and the negotiator's command post, which was located in the Shannon Elementary School, directly across the street from 2239 Shannon. Lieutenant Maxey assumed his position inside Shannon Elementary School with the negotiators and remained the negotiations were broken off approximately 2.50 a.m. on Thursday, January 13, 1983. Now, folks, it doesn't specifically say it, but it's implied that that liaison position was assumed by Lieutenant Maxey. And if you went through some of the earlier episodes during the initial parts of the, uh, the siege, then you know that Lieutenant Maxey was doing a lot of communications via the radio from the negotiator's position inside the office at the school. As Lieutenant Maxey assumed his position, his team members were arriving. These officers were Sergeant H.M. Fields, Patrolman L.A. Godwin. Now, Patrolman L.A. Godwin would end up becoming director, Godwin, of the police department down the road. R.O. Watson, E.L. Lancaster, that's Ernie Lancaster, J.H. Jones, C.D. Cockrell, and then somebody got in a hurry because they've got uh, director Godwin's name in here another time. C.R. Summers and R.L. Gallo. They were integrated with Lieutenant Pugh's shift and given assignments. The TAC command felt in order to secure the inner perimeter 
attack officer should be placed at 2237 Shannon. Sergeant Fields was assigned responsibility of placing personnel in the house at 2237 Shannon. He assigned this location to patrolmen Summers, Cockrell, and Gallo. Sergeant Huff was assigned the responsibility of securing the house at 2243 Shannon, and he moved the assault team consisting of patrolman McNair, Dawkins, Todd, and Ray to that location, along with patrolman L.A. Godwin, Watson, and Jones, who had arrived. Complete security was established, and the attack unit began making arrangements for relief of personnel who were exposed to the inclement weather you have to remember, folks, it was a brutally cold night. Lieutenant J.M. Quinn, by the way, uh, Quinn, he later became a major. He was my major when I was in homicide. He is a, he's a really good guy. He's really sharp. Okay, th 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. TAC commander was contacted at 9.45 p.m. at his residence by his Sergeant J.D. Bland. Sergeant Bland advised Lieutenant Quinn a hostage situation involving a police officer was in progress on Shannon Street. Lieutenant Quinn got his police radio and turned to the F1 frequency. The conversation he heard was between an unstable male black and a police dispatcher. The gist of the conversation was that this male black had a police officer held hostage and was threatening to do him bodily harm. The situation was monitored by Lieutenant Quinn for about 10 minutes, and he then decided to proceed to the scene, arriving at 10.30 p.m. Captain Music and Lieutenant Pugh met Lieutenant Quinn and briefed him on what had transpired to that point. Captain Music informed Lieutenant Quinn his shift would not be brought in as the situation was stable. Lieutenant Quinn remained on the scene for some time with the understanding he would be contacted 4 a.m. Wednesday, January 12, 1983 for assignment. So in other words, Lieutenant Quinn's hanging around and this memo that I'm assuming Cap Music wrote is pretty well letting it be known that uh, Quinn was told he wouldn't be needed till 4 a.m. on Wednesday the 12th. Almost sounds like Lieutenant Quinn's not going to get paid any overtime for hanging around. Patrolman York, from his position, reported the rear door had been closed and he heard hammering inside the house as if the perpetrators were barricading the doors. This information was made known to the TAC command post and was relayed to the staff. This information was also made known to the staff at subsequent meetings held throughout the night and morning and was a major consideration of whether to assault at a later time or to try to continue to negotiate a resolution. It was felt by Captain Music and Lieutenant Pugh that any assault attempt after the fortification would certainly increase the probability of attack officer 
sustaining injury upon entry as it was felt the fortification would impede a speedy or easy entry inside the house. Consideration was given to perhaps cutting a new passageway into the house using C4 explosive. The explosive was, at a later time, brought to the TAC command post by Captain W.L. Dickey and Lieutenant B.G. Wright for our use. The plan was abandoned because of the high risk factor of the persons inside. A number of meetings were held during the night and the decision was for the TAC unit to contain while negotiations continued. As previously stated, Lieutenant Maxey was assigned with the negotiating unit to better coordinate efforts requiring joint operations. One significant meeting between the TAC commanders and the staff should be mentioned on January 12, 1983, when TAC officers, namely Patrolman Summers and Cockrell, reported cries for help from the hostage officer, Robert Hester. These cries were heard by the TAC staff and kept music, went to, the, went to Shannon Elementary School informing Deputy Director Williams and requesting that he return to the listening post to hear the cries for help. Deputy Director Williams then went to Shannon Elementary School to discuss with Director Hope this development and to have him return for consideration of an assault. All right, folks, we're going to stop right there and pick up again in the next episode. It's going to be interesting to read how the TAC unit's going to approach this in the memo about the cries for help and the fact that they all went over there, the command staff, and they heard the same cries. But I'm sure it will be of interest. All right, folks, I do appreciate y'all hanging out with me. We'll get back together. And as always, I'll see you down the road.